Thanks. I haven't preached Sunday morning for a while, have I? Go the girls. Go the girls. I'm booming. Um, A couple of weeks ago I preached a message in the night service called In His Presence. Um, If you didn't hear that message, you need to get this, order it off Pauline at the back. How much do these cost, Pauline? $7. $7. Cheap. You need to get that because I'm preaching part two this morning. <laughs> so you need to get part one. Um, so that's a blessing. I think it's because this is too close. Yeah. I just think that is fantastic about your baby. What a great thing. When you're thinking, you know, I know because I was told at 17 years old I'd never have kids. And you know what it's like for a 17-year-old girl? Like, at 17, a normal girl, like you've grown up playing with dollies and all you want is that baby. You just want to get to the day when you're holding your own baby, not a dolly anymore. And then when they tell you at 17, you'll never have kids. It's devastating. And um, when I married Phil, I told him we couldn't have any kids. We got water baptised together. And about four weeks later, I got violently ill and went to the doctors and he said, this is good ill. This is good ill. And I I had cancer when I was 17, so they cut parts out that I needed to have babies. And so my four daughters, all miracles. God is a God of miracles. He's a God of miracles. Yeah. And so you can, that's for those guys. You can give that to them, James. That's for you, so you can get the first bit of what I'm saying today. Um, I don't know about you, but I think that we need... What's the matter? I think that we need... Who thinks we need more miracles? Yeah. I don't know, the way I see it is this, that if Jesus 2,000 years ago walked the earth, and when he walked the earth... Miracles were a sign that he had come from God. And then he laid his hands on the disciples and said to them, the same authority that has been given to me, I give to you. Now go and lay hands on the sick and see them recover. But as far as I'm concerned, 2,000 years later, we haven't moved very far from that place. In fact, we kind of went up and then down. And then we kind of plateaued. And I think, you know, a lot of that has to do in our Western culture, particularly that we're not hungry enough. For the presence of God. I don't think that we're hungry enough. Like you go into a, a, a more impoverished country or into Asia, into India, into Africa, into these countries where there's nothing else that the people can reach out for except for a miracle. They have no backup. It's not like, well, if God doesn't come through, I'll just go to the doctors. If God doesn't come through, I'll have an operation. If God doesn't come through, you know, um, I can still get baked beans and feed my kids. You know, they just say, if God doesn't come through, we're gone. And so they put everything on that, and they get so hungry for God that, you know, miracles just happen. Stuff happens. We have to ask ourselves the question, if we want more miracles to happen in our Western culture, I mean, I don't want to go on the mission trip just to see miracles. I want to see my mum healed today. You know what I'm saying? And to do that, we obviously need to get 
a little bit more desperate. Now, I pray every day, God, don't let things happen to this nation that have happened in other nations that have made them desperate. Please, Lord, don't bring us to a place, you know, where we're in financial crisis, where war breaks out, where, you know, some crazy guy takes over our country and invades it or something like that that brings us to our knees. God has put us in a land, Australia, I think, they call it the lucky country, I call it the blessed country. And I think God has put us here and he's given us a particular personality as a people group, as Australians. I think that we're not so proud and so, what's a better word for up ourselves? Um, <laughs> so up ourselves, so pretentious, Phil says, um, that, that, you know, that we're, we're transparent enough still that we want God. I think we're still humble enough people and we're still real enough people that if God really wanted to show himself that we'd want that. And, you know, the prophecies that have gone before, you know, Smith Wigglesworth at the last great outpouring of the Holy Spirit would be on this nation before the return of Jesus Christ. It would be the last nation that sees an outpouring of God. I truly do believe that. Because I think, you know, people, people are coming from other nations. Is that right? You know, is that right, guys? Ify and these guys, they're coming from other nations because they know something's up. People are coming here saying, God sent me here. Why would God send people from Africa to here? Hasn't Africa got, we're all going, we want to go to Africa. But God's going to do something here and people in other nations are starting to get the gist of that. But what we have to do is we have to start understanding that if we want this, we really, really want this, we need to get a whole bunch hungrier. We need to get hungrier now before God has to allow something to happen to make us hungry. Is that right, Maria? Do you find that? God is gracious and he is kind and he's good. But for our own good, he lets stuff happen so that we seek him. His whole purpose of us being on earth is that we find him, that we love him, that we seek him. We're going to do that eternally and he wants us in that relationship with him. Just turn that down a little bit, Lisa. Can you stay there with me? Just keep playing that here and now chord. They're nice. So Psalm 34, 8, let's start here. It says this, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Um, like I've been on this kind of extended diet for a long time and I haven't been eating any sweets or anything like that. I've just been really good. And just a couple of weeks ago I thought, oh, I'll just try a bit of chocolate. Just, just have a taste. It won't hurt me a taste. And, you know, I had that taste of chocolate and the next day I thought, just one piece won't hurt. <laughs> and, of course, then you're sort of looking at a whole block going, I could eat half of that easy. Because why? Because it tastes so good. They actually want more. Is that right? You know there's that taste when something is good, you just go, you go to a good restaurant, you eat a good meal and say, I'll go back to that restaurant any day. I just... That taste was amazing. Some of the salads that Roz makes, I just go, like that pumpkin salad that she makes, and I just go, I want more. I want more of that. Roz, make it again. And so it's it's like that with God, you know. You can taste of God, and then you can say, look, I just don't need any more chocolate for another year. Or you can taste of God and say, that was so good, I've got to have more. I want more. I want more of that. 
And I think this is what God wants to do. He wants us to taste of him. He doesn't want us to drive us to our knees and put us through crises to make us cry out to him. It's not his heart at all. He's saying, look, I'm here. I am so good. I am so big. I have everything that you need. If you would just come to me of your own free will that I've freely given you and taste of me, you would see that I am good and then you would want more. But we just kind of take things for granted in our Western culture. We taste of it. That was good, God. Next. What's the next thing? What's the next trip? What's the next thing that's going to get me high? What's the next thing that's going to give me a buzz? Maybe I'll go get some clothes. That'll make me feel better than God. And so we get all caught up in our materialism and in our worlds again, and we just put him aside and say, that was good. And maybe, you know, next week I can have a little bit more of that, but I'll just find other things to fill the gaps. But if we just kept tasting of God, I'm sure that it would increase. And what I want to talk to you today is just some little steps that would help you increase in the presence of God in your life. Because it's great to say, guys, get more. Have more of God. Have more of his presence. But you just go, well, how? How do I do that? And so today I want to give you some hows. Is that good? Okay. So the first thing we want to look at is this, number one, that God is omnipresent. Omnipresent is God is everywhere all the time. So God's presence is everywhere. Is that right? Okay. He says in Colossians 1.17, in him all things consist. I think that's a different... Oh, good. It's the right translation. In him all things consist. So everything has life and being in God. So even before you were born again, God was in you because you are his creation. In him all things consist. He's in, he's in nature, he's in flowers, he's in trees. I mean, people go around hugging trees if they just knew they were hugging life source of God and start hugging the creator rather than the creation. But we are his creation and therefore God lives in us already before we're born again. So we have a sense of him. You know, you wonder, why do I have a sense of God before I was born again? You know, when my children were little, each one of them at the age of three had an experience in Jesus. And I got, I kind of got this feeling that if all my four girls around the age of three had an experience in Jesus, how many children actually have that experience but never talk about it? I reckon he comes visits and lets them know that he's around. You know, Jessie, Jessie was a beautiful one. She was just like, woke up in the morning, she says, Mommy, Mommy, Jesus came and he came through the walls. He came right through the walls and he came into my room and he sat on my bed and he said, do you want to come and see where I live? And I said, yes, Jesus. And he took me by the hand. We went through the walls. We went up through the clouds and we went to this beautiful place. And Jesus said, look at all of this. Is there anything you want? And she put up a finger with a Band-Aid on it, which she had a Band-Aid. She said, I just got a sore finger. <laughs> and so he touched her sore finger and made it better. And then he brought her back through the clouds, back through the wall, put her in bed, kissed her and said, I'll always be with you. That's a pretty good experience for a three-year-old. Now, she probably doesn't remember that now, but thank God she told me. And all the girls had a similar experience to that. So he's, he's there, he's around us, he's, he's in us because of our creation. Now, a lot of people just say, okay, yeah, I believe in God, and that's as far as they go, as far as the presence of God. God is in me because I'm his creation, I believe he made me, but they're not born again. And so then we go to number two, where we increase the presence of God a little more, 
and we see a more profound truth that when we're born again, that God comes to live in us. You see? He's, he's in me because I'm his creation, but then he puts his spirit in me and he comes to live by his spirit and he comes to fill me up, comes to live in me, and then my body then becomes his temple. My body becomes the temple of God and he comes and fills the temple. This is now the eternal dwelling place of God. My body becomes that, the eternal dwelling place of God. And that, that, that way he has come now in an increased measure of his presence to me. Okay? We do my stories here in church where we listen to people's stories, how they get born again. And it's just, you know, we heard Roz's just recently and Roz was saying, you know, she's just, she wasn't a desperate, she wasn't a drug addict, she wasn't a prostitute. Were you, Roz? No. Um, just thought I'd ask. Uh, no, she was just a normal mum who'd raised her kids on her own and then gotten married and life was pretty good. She wasn't financially struggling, struggling, but she knew that there was an essence in her life that was missing. She had a sense that God was with her because she knew that she was made by him. But then she needed to take a step further. And when she gave her heart to the Lord, she said, the next day it changed. There was a change. That God had come to live in her and his presence had increased in her life. And she knew it and she could feel the change and see the change in her kids. Now, then we progress even to a deeper truth. Who wants to progress to a deeper truth than being born again? Do you know that much of the church stay right there? They just stay right there. They sing songs about being born again. They talk about being born again. And that's so good. I love that. But listen, God wants to bring us closer. He wants to take us from being children to mature saints. He wants to take us from I want, I want to I give, I give. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, it's, it's time for us, the body of Christ, to move deeper into God, to come to a place where we have something that we can give out. How good would it be to actually go out and speak to someone on the street and they say, oh, you know, I've, I think I've got that swine flu. And instead of running the other way and, and just get, you've got a mask, you know, we can just say, in the name of Jesus. No plague of the last days will come upon you in Jesus' name. You know, put that covenant over your families, by the way. I, that's a covenant blessing. If you're in covenant with God, no plague of these days will come upon your family in Jesus' name. And stand on that. We have to stand and be mature and come into authority and come that we have something to give away. The world is longing for a people who know how to live in the presence of God and then walk out with the presence of God on them and be able to give something away. You can give away your own love, but it has a limit. You can give away your own compassion, but it has a limit. You can even give away your mercy and bring healing to people in a certain capacity. Nurses, doctors know that, but it has a limit. But what we need is unlimited. See, the presence of God was given to Jesus without limit. There was no limit to God in Jesus. It was without limit. And that's, that's what God wants for us. He wants us to be a conduit that can flow the pure love of God from heaven through us to a, a world that is crying out for people that will just be real 
and bring forth something that the word says is. Instead of pretending, instead of putting on shows, instead of being fake, they just want, and Aussies, Aussies spot a fake. That's what I love about Aussies. They are real, down-to-earth people that just want you to be fed income, mate. Just be fed income. And if we can get a church that's fed income, in, and I think we have that. I mean, I'm just biased, but this is the best church in the world to me. And if I wasn't the pastor here, I'd, I'd still go here. Even if you were the pastor, girl, I'd go here. Because God is here, God's love is here, and we are increasing in his presence. See up on the board there, you see one of our uh, core values is authenticity, authentic. We just want to be real. You know, we want to be like Jesus was. So we progress to a deeper truth. Now, this is the truth that I want to bring through to you this morning. Matthew 18, 20, and Pastor Phil said it. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. So you can see here, let's take this progression. So he's already in me as part of his creation. And he is in me now as his temple when I'm born again. But the measure of his presence increases still more when I come together with other believers in his name. Do you realize that? You you know, you wonder why you feel something a little more when you come to the house of God. When you come into this place, what is it? You know, I can pray at home. I can feel God's presence at home. But when I come in here, it's like it's more. That's because it increases to another level. He says, when two or more are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst of them. And so in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, means that the gathering that we have should represent what he would do and be in that given situation. If we're gathering in Jesus' name, then this has to represent him and his nature, his character, his love, his miracles, his power, his authority, his anointing in his name. If we are truly gathering in his name, a lot of people gather, but do they really gather in his name? Is he really there in the midst of them? When I first got saved, I got saved through an encounter with Jesus Christ. I saw his face. He came into me, into a hotel room in Singapore. He showed his face to me. He spoke to me in person. And so I felt what it felt like when Jesus was there in the midst of them. He was there with me. And after I had that experience, the first thing I did was I was in Singapore, so I ran looking for a church because you've got to go to church now. I've seen Jesus. Obviously, I've got to go to church. And so I, and there was only in those days, there was only Catholic churches and kind of those kind of churches in Singapore. And so I went into the church and everybody's doing the stuff up and down, down and up and say this and say that. And I just looked around I just went, well, he's not here. I don't know what the heck they're all doing and to who, but he's not here. And I remember coming back to Australia and met Phil and we went into this church. It was the first time that I'd experienced a church where Jesus lived. And we walked into this church and everybody's singing, dancing, hugging, smiling. And I felt the presence and I went, oh, he's here. I'm home. He's here. 
He's here. And so that's how church should be. When you walk in here, it, it shouldn't be, oh, this is a nice building, and you go through all that stuff, and they've got nice clothes, and they look like nice people, and all that kind of stuff. But the main thing that you need to get out of church is that Jesus is there. And when you speak to us and to other people in this church, you have to say, there are people that have been with Jesus. Because I can see it on them. I can feel it. They've been with him. So I want to hang with them too. And we gather together after we've all been with Jesus. We come together and we say, I've been with Jesus. I've been with Jesus. Let's get together and be with Jesus. And then he just goes, and he comes in. What would happen right now? Okay. If Jesus physically walked in that back door, right now, and he just walked down this aisle right now, down here. He's, you've got gooses in there? He's just walked down here. He's just walked past. He's, he's touching a few, touched Noel on the head just then as he walks past and he just wrapped his arms around Rosie and he's walking down and he kisses the baby and blesses the baby and he walks down and he just stands here. What would you do right now? You would fall on your face. What, who else? You would cry. What else? Come talk to me. It's all right. Huh? You'd want to hug him. You'd ask him what he wrote in the ground because Garth would have all the questions. Anybody else? What would you do? I mean Jesus. I'm talking about Jesus himself. Stand. Huh? He would praise him. You you jump ahead of my message there. And... uh, This is prophetic. Look, what would you do? Like, but you see, in actual fact, he is here. Because he says, whenever two or more are gathered in my name, there will be. So why would you act differently if he was standing here physically? Why aren't you falling on the floor in church? Why aren't you crying? Why aren't you praising? Because he's here. You know? And this is what we've got to get rid of, this whole mindset about church. When we gather, he's here. When you walk through those doors, you're walking into holy ground, this is the house of God, and Jesus is here. And as soon as you walk through those doors, you should be praying, worshipping. You should be just getting in that place. You should be preparing your heart. You should, you know, on Saturday night, you should be starting to think about, I'm going to see Jesus tomorrow. I'm going into his house. He's going to be there. Because it says, when two or more are gathered in my name, there I'll be in the midst of them. To gather in his name... It means that this gathering should look like it did when Jesus met with people 2,000 years ago. Which means that if every one of us walked in here on a Sunday morning with an expectation that whatever happened when Jesus met with people 2,000 years ago was going to happen in this place today, what would we see? if we truly gathered in his name with one mind, one heart, if we truly came with an expectation 
You know, a lot of us have been disappointed, discouraged, because we prayed for people that didn't get healed. We wanted this and it didn't happen. But you know what? You've got to let go of discouragement and disappointment and step into a new day of faith because God is ready to move. God is ready to move and he wants to move through people. He doesn't want the one-man show anymore. He's not going to lift up the man with the name, the hair or the suit or whatever it is. Those are great and God works through things like that. But he is after his body. And he is after when you walk into this place that you're coming and saying, if Jesus is in the midst of us today, and that means that when Jesus is in the midst of us that anything could happen in this service that happened 2,000 years ago when he met with people. And I read the Gospels and people were healed, saved, delivered, raised from the dead wherever he went. Then why can't that happen today, here, now, in this place, even through my hands? The least of us. Jesus looks for the least, the least of you. Don't wait until you get a pulpit. Don't wait until you've done enough penance that you feel good enough. God uses the least of these. You say, don't wait till you get your own healing, Narelle, to lay hands on other sick people. I have seen more sick people healed when I'm sick and not getting healed than I have when I'm well. That's the truth. Bill Johnson, who I read a lot of his stuff and some of the stuff I'm sharing with you this morning is directly from his books. He's an incredible man that sees incredible miracles in their church. They have to have a person actually, uh, what do you call it? A scribe full time just to write down the major miracles that happen. They don't write down minor ones anymore, just major ones. And she cannot keep up. She cannot get them down. There's that many. Because Bill Johnson had this crazy idea that if he actually preached and taught, that he could get people to believe that God had called them with the same anointing that Jesus had when he walked on the earth. The very least of these children could lay hands. A child should lead them, the word of God says. Youth laying hands on people. You know, they had this one, one instance where this young kid... He was about 18. He'd been to one of Bill Johnson's meetings. He actually believed it. You know, some people are crazy enough to believe what you preach and then they actually go and put it into practice. You should say, you know, don't try this at home, but they do. They go try it at home. It's actually what you're supposed to do. Don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. And so this guy, he just goes to this 7-Eleven type garage thing he puts petrol in his car and he goes in to pay and there's sort of aisles, it's like a supermarket 7-Eleven type thing. And he just stands next to this woman at the counter, knows she's got hearing aids in. He said, oh, Bill said we could lay hands on a second they recover. He's about 18, 19, this kid. And he said to her, oh, no, she had hearing aids in. The lady said, yeah, I'm deaf. You know, he goes, oh, do you mind if I pray for you? I believe Jesus can heal you. He's standing at the counter, pay for his petrol. She goes, oh, Okay. So he lays hands on the lady. She rips her hearing aids out. She gets healed instantly. The lady behind the counter is freaking out. And he's going, God is here. She said, what? God is in my shop? Yeah, God is here. She's going, whoa, what do you do? Like, God is here. And so 
she says, what can I do? What can I do for God? Oh, I don't know what to do when God turns up. And he says, oh, just, can I use that microphone thing? That, that She says, sure. He says, great. Hello, testing. Hello, I'm just here to tell you that God is here. And I'm just feeling in my spirit that there's someone here that needs to be healed. They're in a wheelchair. Like, he's, you can't see in the aisles where the people are. If someone in a wheelchair, come down to aisle seven right now. I'll lay hands on you. There's someone else. You've got carpet tunnel in your fingers. Come down. I'll pray for you. Anyway, the next minute this guy comes down the aisles. He goes, I'm the carpet tunnel. And he's crying his eyes out. And he says, I'm a concert pianist. And I haven't been able to play piano for so long that I'm fallen into deep depression. And I said to God last night, God, if you're real, give me a sign or I'm going to kill myself because I can't live like this. And the kid says, well, give us a look at your hands then. And he puts his hands on him and he prays for his hands. And the guy goes, my hands are warm. He said, warm is good. Then the guy goes, my hands are hot. He said, hot's even better. And uh, the guy got totally healed. The guy got healed. Then comes the wheelchair. I'm the wheelchair. Lady gets up out of the wheelchair, she gets healed. Then he says, okay, you've seen God move. Anybody wants to get saved in this place? Eleven people gave their hearts to the Lord. You know? Jesus said, when I return, will I find faith? Will I find faith on the earth? Especially in Western culture, will I find faith? Will you have the guts to just have a go? Have a go, mate. Like, what have we got to lose? You know, Bill Johnson says, pray for 20 people, and if only one gets healed out of 20. And I thought about that one day. I thought about, you know, the Benny Hinn crusade, how everybody goes to watch people get healed. And so, say there's 10,000 people there watching people get healed. It's fantastic. I love the atmosphere of that. I love it myself. But imagine if 10,000 people, instead of watching Benny Hinn did it, said... Let's get together in the streets of Sydney and just go out and lay hands on the sick. And say out of that 10,000 people, 1% only got healed. Is that 1,000 people? Is that 1,000? Did 1,000 people get healed in a Benny Hinn crusade in one night? See, Jesus said, greater work shall you do than I have done because I go to be with the Father. Does that mean we're going to do greater things than raise the dead? I don't think there is anything greater than raising the dead and then getting raised up yourself. But what he means by greater, he means bigger, greater, broader. Instead of one man, he says, I have to go, I have to go. I have to send the Holy Spirit so that you can be filled, so that you can do it, so that you can go out. If I don't send the Holy Spirit, it's only me. And I can only go for so many places and be crowded by so many people and touch so many people. But if you go, and he sends out, you know, the, 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 the 12, and then he sends out the 70, and then he sends out you and me. You go. You go. And as you go, lay hands on the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Just give it away. As easy as it was for you to receive salvation, it should be just as easy to go give it away again. Freely you have received, freely give. Is that good? And then David discovered an even greater 
deeper truth that adds to this revelation of increasing degrees of his presence. David said this in Psalm 22.3, you are enthroned on the praises of Israel, iffy. His throne is an even greater measure of his presence. And so we're going from he holds my being together with his presence and then he moves inside me to reign as God over my life and then he increases my encounter with him by having me gather together with believers in his name and then ultimately his glory begins to fall on us when we learn to honour, the honour of serving him through thanksgiving, honour, praise and worship. So why do we sing songs, Pastor Julie? Is it just so, you know, we can have some nice modern music that the world likes and they'll come in and say, oh, I like the song. Do we sing songs or do we praise and worship God? Do the songs that we sing mean anything to us? Do you sing the songs or do you think about the words? You know, this morning when we're singing, when I'm on a mountain, I'm going to worship. When I'm in a valley, I'm going to worship. When, I'm, when everything's going good, I'm going to worship. When the things are going bad, when I'm broken, I'm still going to worship. Do you ever think about those words and think there's a, that you're saying a prayer to God, that you're making a vow to God in those words that no matter what's going on in my life, Lord, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you because why? Because there's an increase in the presence of God when we praise and worship and honour him. What do they talk about giving in the church? Now, can we just go to church where they don't talk about giving? No, because there's an increase in the presence of God when we honour God. We honour God with the first fruits of our income. We honour God with the first fruits of our lives. We honor, Not with the last bit, not what's left over. I don't walk into church with the last bit of what's left of my life and I've given everything to every other thing. I've worked my guts out at work all week and I've done this and I've given there and I've given there. I walk into God and I've got, this is all I got. I don't feel like praising you today. They can do all the praising. I'm just going to stand here. First fruits. Walking into the house of God. I feel like rubbish. I've had a bad week. But I'm going to put it all aside because I'm going to bring the first fruits of my heart and my life to you, God. And as we do that, you know, sometimes I've been so grieved when I've been in church and I've been on the front row and we're worshipping God, worshipping God. And then I just have to go out the back for something. And, you know, there's the first two rows praising God, maybe a couple of people in the back, and, the, and other people just standing there. And I just think, and I get grieved. I think, please honour him. Please don't come into my father's house and treat him with disdain. Don't come into my father's house and stand there as if he is nothing and no one. He is the God of the whole universe. He is the creator of all things. He is almighty God. Who am I, mere man, that you would even look at me? You know, as I said, I'm a worm in your presence, God. 
Who am I? Who is man that you are mindful of him? Who is man that we would come into the presence of God with our hands in our pockets and stand there? Something happens when we can begin to praise. Vicky, you did a main worship. Looking after the kids, working still. Vicky, you did an amazing job this morning, young lady. I think you've just graduated. You are now a worship leader. Yeah, you got your stripes, love. It's you know, why is Vicky up here? Why is she up here saying, come on, everybody, raise your hands? And I've had people in church that are saying, I'm not going to raise my hands because she said so. Who's she to tell me to raise my hands? I'll raise my hands when I feel like raising my hands. It happens. And I even myself just go, raise your hands. She say, oh, I don't feel like raising my hands today. But you know what? Why is she saying that, raise your hands? Because something happens. When we gather together in his name and we lift our hands and then we begin to honour him and worship him and something happens, there is an increase in his presence. Why do you think Benny Hinn just sings that song, Jesus, Jesus, you go on and on and on. And he goes, turn it up, Cheryl. And they sing it again, sing it again, sing it again. You think, Betty, if you sing it one more time, I'm going to fall out. No joke. One night I was in Betty Hen. This is true. And we just, we've been to another conference and we were so tired. And staying in a hotel, you don't sleep much in you know, weird beds and weird places. And I'm staying there and he's going, hallelujah. I'm saying, it's so quiet, so lovely. I literally fell asleep standing up. <laughs> I did. I went, whoa. It's like, oh, Benny, mama. But why does he do that? Because he knows that he cannot do a thing outside of the presence of God. You see? And, and he says this. He says, he says, praise until worship comes. Worship until the glory comes. You know, and so we sing two one song, news. But do we praise until worship comes? Do we worship till the glory comes? No, because not many people will come to church. But, you know, we can get there like that and still be a place where visitors can come if we all join together in one accord and walked into this place, I don't care what I feel like today because I am going to worship you because I love you and you love me and the greatest thing in all this world is you and I am going to seek you. I'm going to honour you. You can clap the Lord. Yep. In Jesus' name. Nearly finished. Now, this, is not a, this isn't a definite list, right? So we're talking about increasing in the presence of God. It's not a definitive list. It's not like, okay, this is it, and this is you're going to write a book on it, and that's the only way you're going to feel the presence of God. But it's a place to start. 
this is a start in our quest for the greatest treasure that there is to find. And that treasure is God himself. God himself. If we can come, know that we're created by him, know that he lives inside of us, then step into a greater place when we gather together, then go deeper into a place where we praise and worship him, then we will find God himself. Not just Jesus in the midst of us. Don't say just Jesus like he's secondary. Jesus comes in the midst of and says, God is enthroned on the praises of his people. God is enthroned. So what happens when we begin to praise and worship is that we actually expose the throne room of God in the heavenly realms. A portal is opened up over heaven and heaven and earth meet. And whatever is in heaven will be manifested on earth. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And we have something going on where the angels are ascending and descending for the very throne of grace and God comes and God touches people and we don't have to do a darn thing. We don't have to pull out any rabbits out of our hats. God just comes. God just comes. And if we can gather together in one accord and praise and worship him and let him come like that, then we will see the miracles that we have longed to see. Isaiah tapped into this when he wrote this in Isaiah 6.1. I saw the Lord and the train of his robe filled the temple. You know, the correct translation of this word fill is actually a word that means filling. It doesn't actually fill. The train of his robe filled the temple, finish. The train of his robe was filling the temple is the correct translation to that. And the word filling implies that he came into his temple and then he just kept on coming. He just kept on coming. See, do you think there's an end to God? Is there a limit to God? Is there a limit that we can put on God? Is it like God in 1990, we felt you come in a wave and you touched the church in the world, you'd probably never come like that again. No, there is no limit to God. If we can get together, realize who we are in Christ, join together in one accord, open up the heavens in worship, let the portal of heaven touch earth, there is no limit to what God can do if we allow him to pour out his presence. You Can you imagine, can you imagine, I said before, can you imagine if Jesus walked here? Imagine if God himself, imagine if God, imagine if the throne of God right now you could see is above this place and God is on his throne and the angels are worshipping him all around. The presence of God fills the temple and it's filling the temple and it's filling the temple. It's like a river. The word of God says it's like a river that rushes right from his throne and right through and it, and it, and it, and it fills everything that it touches and it changes everything and brings life and it brings fish and it saves the lost and it goes out. Filling. <coughs> You know, this kind of explains... Can I have a drink of water, please, Doug? This explains... Thank you. You know, sometimes you look at people and think, they've really got something in God, and I'd like that. And I know that you see that, Brady. I see such a hunger for the presence of God in your life. And, um, and God will meet that son. I've seen it on you since you were a little boy. 
and it's precious. Don't let go of it. God's going to meet it. Some people just got that. You got something on them. I know when we went and saw Tommy Teeny Hayfield. Tommy Teeny stood up to speak. I think he said about three words and everyone in the room just began to weep. And I'm not talking just crying. I'm talking about wailing, crying, sorry God, forgive me, God, because God came into the room. Some people have that. What is that? What I'm saying to you explains why those who seem to have the greatest measure of God's presence in in their lives, there are those that are the hungriest. If you look at someone's life like Tommy Tinney, you would know that he is hungry. Bill Johnson, hungry for more of God. Heidi Baker doing amazing miracles in Africa, hungry for the presence of God. They know how to live in that place. And that's, you know, as I said, God is not looking for superstars. He's just looking for ordinary, average people who can carry something of him. I don't know about you, but I cannot anymore live in mediocrity. I can't live knowing, merely knowing that there is more of God to experience and explore and then do nothing. about. You know why I can't live like that? Because I hear the cries of the people daily and I see the pain of people daily and I see the lack of the church daily. I can't live in mediocrity because I am responsible. I have one life to live. And you realise when you get to our age that it's a bit shorter than you thought. We have one life and today is the day. Don't wait. Today is the day when you can begin to step out and not just experience but explore God and find more. Jesus didn't set limits on what you can have in a lifetime. And he didn't say, Bill, when you get to a certain age, you know, it kind of slows down. He said, there is no limit. There is no limit to what I'll pour out on you. The only limit is the limit you put on yourself by your lack of hunger, your undisciplined life, and your compromising, self-seeking lifestyle. But if you would put God first, seek God. Many people are content to live with the concept of the presence of God in their lives but fail to enter into the intended experience. I said at the beginning of the service, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you've had a taste and it was good, why don't you go back for more? Why don't you set yourself up to increase in God in the name of Jesus? Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for this congregation of people, this group of people that have come together in your name. Can I have the music team, please? In just for a few minutes, what I'd like to do is just let's lift him up. I mean, we're here. We're born again. We're gathered in his name. Let's go a step further. Now that we understand what praise and worship is about, to a fuller degree, and let's really just for a few minutes 
bring his presence down here, that he would meet every need. Can we just sing that here and now? <laughs>